Welcome everyone to Business Growth on Purpose. My name is Jose Palomino. I'm CEO of Value Prop Interactive. And it is my great pleasure every week to be interviewing experts from around the world, owners of other B2B businesses, and sometimes just sharing some of my personal insights from decades of helping businesses grow on purpose. Thanks for joining us and enjoy the episode. Hi, everybody. This is Jose Palomino. Uh, CEO of Value Prop Interactive, and your host for Business Growth on Purpose. And today I want to talk about something that I think will affect every one of you who actually have to make a sale, uh, If it's especially if it's a, in a complex category. You sell an industrial product, you're a manufacturer, you do contract services. Uh, maybe you're working on a key relationship for months, And you may or may not have a couple of sales reps. Maybe you have four, five, six, that kind of size company. So that's generally our sweet spot in the B2B space. And what I want to talk about today is, it really is captured in this thought. You're not closing that deal. You're not closing that deal. That's the title. And it's meant to make you think about it from this point of view. I'm not closing that deal. Of course, we're closing that deal. And I'm here to challenge you to think about seven things before you say that firmly. Because here's what happens. If you're using a reasonably contemporary CRM, you might be using Salesforce, big one, uh, Microsoft Dynamics. Uh, Certainly there are others like Copper and uh, Pipedrive. Those are perfectly fine and they have stages. And the idea is you go through stages, your probability of closing is much greater. And often what I've witnessed with clients is when I see their pipelines, they often put a heavy weight on proposal submitted. And the idea is that you've had conversation with the the buyer and there's an agreement on what should be in the proposal and you submitted the proposal. But if you're in a competitive bid situation, which in many industrial categories is very real, you're going to be in a competitive uh, bid situation. If you're in that situation, then the simple reality is that if there's three of you all of you have submitted proposals as per your customer's request. You're one of three. You can't all be 75%. In fact, you're not 75%. You're literally 33%. So think about that for a moment and say, huh, when have I ever been in a situation where I've submitted a proposal thinking I've nailed every detail that the customer was asking for, and yet it fell through? Now, right now, at this time in our economy, what's happening in the world, and of course, by the time this recording is published, it may be different, but you know, we're coming off a pandemic, there's a war brewing, a war actually happening with great implications for the world. There's uh, interest rates going up. Uh, US GDP recently was announced that it's going, that it's squeezed and compressed. So all these signs to further uncertainty. And yet, When I talk to folks in manufacturing, in either OEMs, contract manufacturing, other industrial services, because of this pent-up backlog, they're busy. So it seems like, hey, I don't have to think about selling that much. I don't have to think about it that way. I'm really just, I'm thinking about fulfillment. And we're going to talk more about that. In fact, we're going to have a special webinar on this uh, that you'll be able to access, really talking about how to leverage the moment and take advantage of this moment to actually do some things that you can control, especially in areas like hiring, like how do you get access to the people you need uh, to fulfill the orders, uh, how to manage your supply chain to fulfill the orders that matter. 
And, and here's that's the subtext of it. Fill the orders that matter most. Because the reality is, if you're growing 30% year over year, and orders are coming in, flowing in, first of all, we all know you've been in business for more than like five years. These are waves, and, and you're very grateful for the waves. You take the waves, you cash the checks, but that's not a strategic plan. And there's opportunities here to say, well, what if I could win more and uh, more of the business I really want to win at the prices I really would like to win them at with margins that make sense for me being a healthier business at the end of all this activity? I've definitely talked to people who had spun up capabilities, spun up resources, and, and then only to find that orders get retrenched. Because often, especially if you're in the industrial categories, you're selling as part of an ecosystem, whether it's aerospace, energy, something that is really driven by big companies in those spaces. They're kind of the sun and everything else kind of orbits that sun. And as a result, whatever happens to the sun happens to the planets. And if you're the planet or the moon or the satellite, whatever, then you are affected by those things. And so long as it's warm and, and the stuff is happening, it feels great. But here's the thing, you want to win more of the business you want to win intentionally. And there's seven questions, and this comes from our work in really breaking down what we call the pivotal conversations that, that actually take place in larger, more complex sales. Now, if you're a small company, you may say, well, we really don't do large complex sales. We're not selling nuclear power plants. And that may be true. But the reality is if you're selling to a Fortune 500 company, Chances are you've had initial meetings and then also you're in a room, whether a virtual room, a Zoom room or a physical room, and there's eight people in the room, you didn't even recognize six of them. And that other people are talking, then it has to advance to legal, to procurement, engineering, depending what type of product you sell has a, a say on it. Maybe somebody wants to do a site visit where your uh, technology has worked somewhere else. And if you're selling, let's say software, which we broadly put in the industrial category, because I mean, software for business. So you're doing machine controls, you're doing ERP, things like that, just as complex. So we've identified the, the conversations that have to take place, that are taking place on the part of your buyer, sometimes with you, sometimes without, that unless those conversations are favorable, you're not going to close the deal. So how do you zero in on that? Well, we have a more elaborate way of doing that, but I'm going to give you that kind of the cheat sheet, the Cliff Notes version of this in seven questions, because without these seven questions, at least five of them being positive, you're not going to close that deal. And I can say that with great confidence. Every now and then is serendipity. If you're the sole supplier who can hit a deadline at a particular point in time, you may get the order. That is not a relationship. That's not an account uh, win yet. You can build on that and make it an account win. And again, serendipity serves those who are prepared. So if you're prepared, prepared to jump on opportunities, you can do very well. But I just want you to think about, we're going to talk about these seven questions. And, and let me just take a, a very, very short, like a 30-second break here in this episode to just clarify like what we do, what I do. And that is that Value Prop Interactive has been around for over 15 years, working in this B2B space in helping companies and especially owners of companies figure out the growth strategy, the profitable growth strategy they want to have and the, the programs, the way to do it, right? So not just the strategy, but the actual tactics, how to do it 
and then giving them the accountability uh, to help to see them through so they can actually achieve that. And we've achieved hundreds of millions of dollars worth of growth for the clients we've worked with. And that's what we do. And we do it through a uh, coaching and we do it through consulting and we do it through our tools, our knowledge, our wisdom, our experts. But it really is about getting that blueprint for growth right. And these seven questions tie right into that. Here's question number one. Do you know their why? Do you know really why your customer wants to do the thing they're talking to you about doing? Not that they want to buy 10 printers from you and you make industrial printers. That's great. Good news. But why? What are they going after? Is it, well, we just happen to have 10,000 square feet left over. We thought we'd get some printers. What is their why? What are they trying to, and usually it's going to fall into four broad categories, which by the way, you can sell with these four categories. It's a financial outcome they want. It's a time-based outcome. It could, like for that, we want to save money in a cost per unit. We want to save time on the time it takes to build a unit, make a unit, achieve an outcome. Uh, it's a hassle factor reduction. We want to move into an area where, or we want to have resources where it's just not so hard to do what we do. And we want to reduce our risk. What is their why? Have you found that out? If you do not know that, if all you're doing is responding to an RFP to ask for your 10 printers, your specs, and so on, you're not likely in a favored position to win. Because once you know their why, and you say, oh, this is going to save you, you know, maybe our stuff might cost you $200,000. But what you're looking to do is to save a million dollars. Or what you're looking to do is to go after a high-speed turnaround market that you can't chase after now, and you think that might be worth $2 million to you. So our $200,000 expense is relatively small compared to what your why is. So you have to ask that question many different ways. You have to be subtle about it. You have to be, don't break rapport. It's, it's, not, it's not a blunt instrument, but you have to ask that question. That's the first question. If you cannot answer that question correctly, it is highly unlikely this is a deal that you're going to close except for factors that have nothing to do with you. <laughs> you just happen to be right place, right time. Thank you very much. That's great. Sometimes we take those deals and we'd be happy with them. But knowing their why is critical. Second, do you have a track record, either in your person, if you're a sales uh, professional or if you're the president founder of a company, you've done it before. Do you have a track record in their specific industry? So if you're moving into supporting aerospace and you've been supporting like people who make freight trains because you do aluminum, high precision aluminum uh, 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 modules and they would fit in either case, that's fine. But if they don't perceive you as having industry knowledge, enough industry knowledge to have credibility to cross that chasm, they will view that their risk in dealing with you might be too high and, they, and the hassle of having to educate you. So you can overcome that if what you do is so specialized, like something like electron beam welding, where the doing is its own expertise. And then you have to connect the dots why they want it done the way you offer it. But you have to be very careful here that you don't run a uh, run afoul of the fact that they may have a really strong preference for working with somebody who has experience in their industry. And that doesn't mean your company has to say 30 years experience in aerospace. But you have to, or you should have somebody on your team who could speak to it so that you can make the connections for them. Otherwise, your hassle factor for them is very high. They got to figure it all out for themselves. Third, 
do you have clarity as to where the budget's coming from? Like all aspects about the budget. Do you know how much the budget is? Do you know where it's being funded by? Who's over that? It could be the owner says, we're going to do this and, and, and they're an owner-led business. And, they, and I think this is a good idea. We just, we'll just find the budget. That's fine. But once you move to companies north of 30, 40, 50 million dollars a year in revenue, especially into the 100 million private equity run or even you know public companies or companies of that size, then budgets tend to be a lot more formal and they have they're attached to specific people who care about that budget. So really think about that and make sure you understand the budget. Get clarity on that. The question isn't do you have budget? That's kind of an insulting question. Why are we going to talk to you? Of course, we can afford what you're selling. That's not the issue. You're not challenging. Can they afford it? Is this a budgeted project? Is this a budgeted initiative? What budget is it coming from? You can ask very direct questions as long as you don't attach too much um, sizzle behind the question where you think you're going to try to, you're trying to, you know, suss out some state secret. It's just matter of fact, how else are you going to know how to help them? And now I know the counterpoint to that as well. If they're negotiating with you, they're not going to tell you the whole budget. And that's true. They'll probably lowball it. But is it even in the range? Now they're going to ask you for a budget. What does your solution go for? Is You can answer very honestly. Our solutions can range from X to Y, depending on your needs. Um, but my primary interest in asking you about the budget is just, is this a budgeted initiative? Or is this something that you're building a case for to go get budget, which is perfectly fine, happy to support that. And just know that usually means there might be more need for more maybe engineering or more design on the front end to help you make your case. And if I know that, I can be, I can make sure my team is ready to support you. See how that sounds? It becomes very collaborative. You get them right there. And again, remember the predicate thought is right now you're growing 30% year over year. So why do this? Because in that 30% year over year, very likely part of that or big part of that is your biggest customer squeezing you because they can't get other suppliers to perform, not necessarily benefiting you with great margins and not necessarily benefiting you with a promise of super high margin work in the future. So you're getting the volume. That's great. And, you know, net net will be margin contributor and you'll make more money that year, this year, next year and so on. But in the midst of that, you want to be working deals that mean something to you, that are richer, that are uh, potentially have more life to them, more relationship to them. That's where these questions really come into play. Now, does your solution check the top boxes? I alluded to this before about their why, but just does your solution help them save money, save time, save hassle, reduce risk? And have you been able to articulate that to them? Fourth question, is your value prop strong for them? Do you have a strong value proposition just generally as a business and, and for the specific product line? Like, can you answer the question, why should anyone buy this thing from you at the price you want? And if you haven't thought that through, then that's the weak link in the whole chain because then you're just a commodity. You're not really saying there's any special reason they should buy from you other than I can meet your deadline. And, you know, in the short run, when everybody's hair's on fire, that may be all you got to do to get business right now. It is not a growth strategy. And it's certainly not a growth strategy to grow a profitable business, which grows EBITDA, which grows value for you, the shareholder. 
And then have they told you their process? That's number six. Have they told you their process? Have they explained to you how they're going about making this purchase? So, so in that explaining to you could be the budget has to be approved by the finance committee or the but there's a task force that's looking at this. Uh, or we typically want these kind of references or we have a contract that has to be gone. It's a big intellectual property contract. Whatever the process is, you want to hear from them. So often in sales, we talk about the sales process and you should have an idea of a sales process before you sell, of course. But one of the key things that an effective sales process does, it uncovers and then creates alignment with the buyer's buying process. The buyer is much more in control than ever before. And that's okay. They want to buy. If they're talking to you and they're, and, and it's a and it's a big deal. Good news. They want to buy. And they have an idea of how they want to go about doing it. So why don't I just learn what that is? And it's different in every company. I, now, I may even educate them. If it's in a category they haven't purchased before, they haven't bought like large scale print solutions before. And just say, well, you know, typically what uh, our clients or our customers have done in the past is they've asked us for you know, a, a sample machine to work with, or they've asked us to see, to check out the software. Or wh what are your requirements? And now that's conversational. That's not confrontational. And they start telling you, well, we're thinking of this, that, or the other thing. And in fact, all of a sudden they, they see an opportunity to look really smart to their higher ups because you're helping them look smart. You're actually framing that buying process. It's not gamesmanship. This is legit. They want to make a good purchase. You want to make a good sale because that leads to more business downstream. And then if they told you their process, they've probably also told you, and this is number seven, their risk concerns. So you can ask that question. Anytime you make a big purchase, there's always risk involved. Doesn't matter who you're buying from or what you're doing. What are your primary concerns? So if I can understand that, I could tell you how we would help you mitigate those concerns. Anyway, I say, well, it's, it's aftermarket service or uh, your software looks great, but I'm afraid that our people will not know how to use it. And then after you've done the installation or got us up and running with an orientation meeting, it's like, good luck with that. And, and we get to watch some videos or something like that. And, and those are all things, by the way, in all, every one of these situations, I'm sure you're relaying, relating to it from the point of view when you've been the buyer and experienced those things. So this is really important. And by the way, what this does for you, these seven questions, regardless of where you are in your CRM pipeline, if it's a big enough deal, and if you're the owner or the chief revenue officer, and you're doing your, you know, your quarter end deal review, and you have to give an account for what you think the pipeline really is going to look like, using these seven questions can get you some real pithy, good insight, right? Do you know their why? Do we actually have a track record that we can point to somewhere in our personnel, our processes, our maybe corporate experiences in their specific industry? Do we have quality, uh, clarity on where their budget's coming from, what's driving that? Do we, do we check the boxes uh, on the four things that are going to concern them, which, of course, is financial, uh, time, hassle, and risk? Is our value prop strong for them? Have they told us their process and have we satisfied their top three risk concerns that they're sitting with right now as they look at making this big decision? 
And if the answer by, by you or your seller, this would apply if you're by yourself and you're the salesperson, the owner, and you're making deals. You're saying, I, I can't answer any of those questions positively. You can fix all of that. You can address all of that, but it's not to be taken lightly and think about it. And, and again, I'm not saying you have to hit all seven to score to close the business. But if you're one out of seven, then you're at risk. You may close it for other reasons. But how much stronger is it if you say, I can close these gaps? So that's the final note. Just want to, to leave you. These seven questions lead to closing the gap. And if you're listening to this and you're uh, a, an owner leader of a uh, industrial company, B2B, and you have some big deals that you want to work on that you'd like to make stronger and more robust. Uh, we have a platform that's based on this that takes us to the next level called Pivotal Conversations. And uh, candidly, I would love to just run it by you. Uh, maybe take one or two of your actual deals that you're working on and actually demo it for you uh, real time at no cost, just to show you how it would work, how it might apply to you. You don't have to give me the real name of the company. It could just be a way to get a sense of how this might work for you, how this approach and this mindset might work. It's not for every transaction on your pipeline, but it's for the 80-20 rule, right? The 20% of the transactions that's going to make or break your year. If you're interested in that or any other strategic growth question, just go to josepalomino.com and it brings you to a scheduling page. It's real easy, josepalomino.com. And you get 30 minutes uh, together with me. And the goal would be to work on a specific opportunity or two that you're working on. And at the end of our conversation, you would have a more robust understanding of what to do next to close that deal. So I don't have a lot of slots like that, but take advantage of it. And uh, hopefully you've enjoyed the podcast. And of course, uh, feel free to, to subscribe on the various platforms where you might be hearing this podcast. And uh, as always, to your success, take care. Thanks for listening to another episode of Business Growth on Purpose. If you like the show, hit subscribe and leave us a review to help other people find the podcast. And if you're ready to take the next step in driving intentional growth for your business, Come check out what we're doing at valueprop.com. We've developed industry-leading programs and systems to help B2B owners take control of their growth. Until then, thanks for listening to another episode of Business Growth on Purpose.